Welcome to Where Will You Go? The FBC Tullahoma Missions podcast where we ask our members and listeners the simple question, where will you go as we seek to advance the kingdom of God and the gospel message of Jesus Christ from here to the least reached peoples on planet Earth. In today's episode, we're going to be interviewing a friend of mine by the name of Craig Wilson. He's over on the other side of the globe. We hope you'll stick around and be challenged and encouraged to consider where you will go and how you can be a part of the mission. Welcome to the pod, Craig. We're glad that you have chosen to join us today. If you don't mind, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your family. Great, Kevin, and uh, members of uh, FBC Tullahoma, it's uh, good to be with you uh, today. Thanks for the invite, Kevin. Yeah, so uh, my name is Craig, and my lovely wife is named Cindy, uh, and uh, we are here in the country of Cyprus, uh, and uh, we have a daughter, Sarah. She's uh, 28, and she is an elementary school teacher residing back in Louisville, Kentucky, and getting her master's degree uh, in uh, educational technology and curriculum development. She wants to get on the mission field, uh, international church, or I'm sorry, international um, uh, school uh, setting and that, and work hopefully maybe in, uh, in, in kind of third world or or developing nations on their, um, you know, on their uh, uh, technology of, of, of delivering education. This COVID thing has kind of sparked an interest in her. And, and that's so anyway, that's us. And uh, we just, uh, uh, like I said, we've been here uh, about uh, a year and a half. Uh, we originally started out in Jordan. And so uh, I think that, uh, yeah, that's about mm-hmm. it. Yeah, we got to meet Sarah about a month ago and spend some time with her. It was good to talk with her face-to-face instead of through a Zoom call. Um, you, you mentioned you're in Cyprus, so tell us what you do there. What are you doing in Cyprus? Sure, yeah. Um, so we we uh, we first started out um, in the country of Jordan, and uh, we spent um, – we spent some time there. Um, we were pretty much the first ones sent out of our organization uh, to uh, out, outside of South America, in South and Central America. And we were kind of pioneering, did some language, did some culture, tried to get the lay of the land, tried to understand what the nature of the church is there, both the indigenous church as well as the international English-speaking church. And, um, and so we settled into a local church, of course, uh, there, English-speaking church, uh, multinational, you know, about 125 or so. Uh, lots of missionaries, lots of kingdom workers, um, lots of language students, uh, expats from all over the all over the uh, the spectrum of working uh, there, uh, school teachers, etc. And um, and so the so during that time, we we started to uh, look at um, working with the nationals in you know just in kind of increasing the level and depth of discipleship, mostly through inductive Bible study. Kind of started to teach out some very basic um, doctrines of uh, of uh, biblical doctrines of uh, the the Old Testament, New Testament, some systematic, trying to give them categories and framework to try to understand the Bible. Many of the Many of the uh, uh, pastors there just teach uh, sermon topics very in a very shallow manner. Uh, some then go the opposite direction and teach, uh, you know, at the seminary level and lose everybody. Right. So what we uh, were asked to do by uh, some Jordanian, uh, a couple of Jordanian pastors, was to come in and try to work in some cases with their refugees, the refugee population mm-hmm. coming from Iraq and Syria. Many of them came up from Orthodoxy, and uh, you know, who's Jesus? We never heard of him. When we were back home, and they come to faith, uh, they're in Jordan as refugees, 
And then the the overwhelming numbers kind of overwhelmed the local church capacity. And so they asked us to come in and try to help fill in some of those gaps and work with some of the, the refugees and some of the, the Jordanian national um, evangelicals and just trying to up the, the scale of discipleship. Well, after after three years there, um, it just became apparent. We, our, 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 our scope of work was the Middle East, North Africa in general, as we were trying to plow fields and pioneer and look at places to deliver good uh, uh, theological education for upcoming leaders, to consult with, with churches, to try to get churches established in a healthy and biblical way. So we found that uh, through a series of providences that Cyprus was a, a great strategic location, both from an economic point of view of flights and of connections, um, as well as a very liberal visa policy in case we could bring people here to train, especially from um, high security uh, countries, mm-hmm. um, uh, 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 conflict zones and that. So, uh, so that's why we selected Cyprus. And uh, what we're doing now is COVID, of course, interrupted quite a lot of that, as it did with right. everybody. Mm-hmm. So we focused on the local churches. We helped strengthen and helped uh, out in a local church in Limassol, uh, Pulpit Supply, Cindy doing women's ministry, doing some children's ministry. Um, and then uh, we moved to Nicosia, uh, the capital city, uh, about, about, about uh, 100, uh, I'm sorry, about um Oh, excuse me, about 250, 300,000 people here in the capital city, and um, uh, to actually explore maybe planting a church here. There was a, a very, a very uh, small international congregation, very, um, very uh, much more like a chapel, like a fellowship. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we met a, we met the uh, the current elder who was here as an interim uh, from another sister agency, um, and he was just trying to keep the keep the congregation together, as I mm-hmm. say, with some duct tape and right. some and some glue uh, after they had had a scandal. And so they invited us to come. And now, so so currently, we are, I am, the interim uh, pastor of this church, and, and uh, the fellow elder and I are trying to establish some structure in the church, try to get a statement of faith, mm-hmm. um, try to get some membership, try to get the, consti- the church properly constituted. So it's a mixture of replanting. Revitalization. It is multinational, and we're dealing with all stripes of, of evangelical mm-hmm. denominational background as well as uh, cultures and expectations for the church. And so, that's what we're doing. Cindy's been doing a great job with with um, women's ministry, uh, teaching ladies inductive Bible study. Uh, she has a large, a fairly large group, global group that she's established when we were back in Doha, Qatar, which was our sending church. And she maintains that with them, and she's been going through the doctrines of the Bible uh, with them. She's going through other uh, women's studies, and now she's uh, working on uh, the local church here and trying to get the women together to build community, uh, to build fellowship, and to look at that as a gospel outreach opportunity. Uh, This is something that is really lacking in international churches. They seem to just kind of be a, a gathering place for you know, people that are that are in Christ, um, and then we bounce off of each other like pinballs. Uh, and then community doesn't get very deep; it gets very shallow. And and to say that um, uh, Cindy is uniquely gifted with hospitality and Bible and 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 getting people connected and getting them to see the value of of the local church and living out Christ and loving one another and in good sound doctrine. So what she's doing you know, in the pews, I'm trying to do from the pulpit. 
Mm -hmm. And so together we, we work to build, um, what I consider, uh, would be the, the, the foundation or the basic preparations for a good, strong, healthy biblical church. I think it would be good too, because you're using terms, and I, I think as our church members maybe listen to this, they may not uh, be clear on when you mention expat or international church. They're thinking oh, sure. they may be thinking, well, this is a church of internationals, and and in a sense it is. But what Craig and you can correct me if I'm wrong. What he means when he says expat or international churches, if he's in Cyprus, this is a church made up of French. It's made up of English. It's made up of Americans. It's made up of people from other countries outside of Cyprus that come together to form this church body that kind of stands out from another term you used, which was nationals. And when he says nationals, uh, such as he did in Jordan, the nationals needed training. He means the the more indigenous population of that country. So just for reference sake, as you listen to this podcast and you maybe go back and listen to it again, when, when he says international church, expat church, that means people from all these other countries who come there to work and then gather up and need a fellowship and nationals are those indigenous, more indigenous peoples to that country. Is that correct, Craig? Thank you. Yes. Yes. Thank you for adding in those uh, clarifications. And yeah, just a, just a quick point on that. You triggered something. Yes. In the in the international English speaking international churches, about about two hundred and thirty to two hundred and forty of these type of churches in capital cities all around the world, um, they're usually yeah they're usually made up of uh, embassy people, mm-hmm. uh, professionals, uh, NGOs meaning non governmental organizations or charities like World Vision, um, uh, uh, Sat Seven which is a satellite uh, Christian ministry to the Middle East and North Africa. Um, and, and, uh, the United Nations people. Um, and then you have people that just are working in finance. They're working in accounting firms here and they, you, you're right. They come from the United Kingdom. They come from, uh, Europe. We have a Finnish, we have a, a lady here from Finland who comes from a Lutheran background who's mm-hmm. in our church. And then on the other side, we have sub-Saharan Africans, uh, Nigerians, Kenyans, Ghanaians and others that come here for both for as students, um, uh, and then they also, uh, in some cases, uh, depending on the various situation, they come here for asylum, uh, and so they come in that those waves of of various um, uh, avenues to try to find a way to uh, get out of either some kind of real or systematic persecution or. Um, not not so much economic. I want to be very clear about that. They're not so much economic uh, here, um, uh, but they are um, probably in in very desperate situations. From what we have um, already started to kind of peel back some of the some of the people in our particular congregation. So, mm-hmm. and we actually do have Cypriots. Mm-hmm. Okay, we actually do have have uh, three or four uh, Cypriots, and uh, they all have have become evangelicals out of. Uh, historic Eastern Orthodoxy, which is the state religion mm. uh, here, and uh, and have have come to true faith, have been baptized, and uh, have found church here. There are three. Also, there are three Greek-speaking evangelical churches here. Okay, and there's one in each of the ca- in, in in each of the major cities. And uh, so, uh, on another note is that the elder that I'm working with from our at church here, that's what he was called and sent to do, was to work with the Greek-speaking evangelicals mm-hmm. and to uh, help with outreach opportunities. Well, we both have a very similar vision about trying to develop some pastoral mentor training, mm-hmm. uh, women's ministry training, 
and kind of develop maybe an informal kind of hub uh, uh, center for uh, advancing discipleship outreach. But but really the deep need is is pastoral training and gospel preaching that actually impacts the people instead of just speaking in, in high theological uh, constructs and, con- and, and conceptual uh, theology as to really get down to what is, um, what is good, practical, um, biblical pastoring and shepherding, feeding, leading, and bleeding with the flock. Mm. And these are things that are still fairly foreign because they come out of such a highly structured, high church, you know, highly regulated and very limited Bible um, uh, promoting the Bible as an individual uh, tool for reading uh, spiritual growth, uh, meditating. So uh, it, it's it's a it's a long slog, and it's a wonderful wonderful opportunity here. Well, we need to take a brief break and talk about our book of the month. This month, we're encouraging you to read "The Insanity of God" by Nick Ripkin. It's the personal and lifelong journey of an ordinary couple from rural Kentucky who went overseas. And after spending six hard years doing relief work in Somalia, experiencing life where it looked like God had turned away completely and that he was clueless about the tragedies of life, they had a crisis of faith and left Africa asking God, does the gospel work anywhere when it is really a hard place? It sure didn't seem to work in Somalia. This book takes some twists and turns. It's an encouragement. It's a challenge. If you haven't read The Insanity of God by Nick Ripkin, I would encourage you to get that book and read it. It'll encourage you as you think about the mission as you think about the nations. We've got Craig Wilson here with us today, and he's been sharing with us about their work in Cyprus. Craig, you're working with uh, an organization called Reaching and Teaching International Ministries. Could you tell us a little bit about who they are and what they do? Sure, sure. Thanks. Uh, yeah, the ministry was um, uh, founded formally um, in, in 2010, um, and uh, uh, it has it kind of had a slow start, but it was mostly based in South America, um, uh, based on some prior connections from the previous uh, president and founder. Um, and it was uh, a specifically a very, very uh, narrow scope of of missions organizations. And Kevin, I'm sure you can you can fill in uh, with uh, with your your congregation there more about um, uh, the different scopes that different mission agencies has as mm-hmm. a general rule. But um, uh, think of it as uh, the difference between, let's say, going to a, a very, very um, uh, uniquely qualified and trained heart specialist rather than going to a cardiac unit for general heart treatment. So we, become, uh, we have become kind of a specialist in, in providing um, pastoral and theological education amongst the underserved and and those that do not have access mm-hmm. to formal either formal seminary training formal bible college it's getting better because now of of zoom capacity and and online bible but then then it becomes a smorgasbord of anywhere from goofy to false teachings to stuff that is just over their head mm. so what we've done is developed a a um, a, a very uh, hybrid of of good, sound biblical teaching, but bringing orality and bringing in the audience at various literacy levels, at various cultural levels. So we're applying good cultural anthropology, good 
um, uh, contextualization without watering down the gospel, without watering down doctrine. And what we're trying to do is to build a, a vocabulary and a training of the mind to understand how to inductively and interpret uh, the Bible so that they have something uh, for many of our people in their own language, their heart language, as well as maybe their commerce language. So in South America, you might have Quechua as the heart language of people, but the, but the trade language or the commerce language is Spanish. So all of our missionaries go down there and learn Spanish, and they go out into the to the uh, the foothills and the boonies on donkeys and <laughs> mm. and four by fours to go out and they'll find villages and they'll they usually will find someone there that God has already been working on and they start with basic discipleship and then they gather and then they start training and then they try to raise up uh, pastors and and elders. Uh, and others uh, to form small churches that meet either rural or semi-rural areas. And we also do that in the urban uh, setting as well. And usually that involves strengthening existing local churches. And then we also created some pastoral training centers, more of a regional thing, like there's one in Ecuador, there's one in Peru. And uh, these were attractive uh, to people who would come in once every three months for a week, leave their farms, leave their sheeps and goats and their alpacas, and they, they'd roll in uh, and, uh, and get a week's worth of, of training, let's say, on, uh, on the Old Testament. And, of course, it would be a reduction. I mean, it's nowhere near a seminary-level class. But what it does is it gives them a very, a very, very solid framework of understanding the redemptive story, mm-hmm. understanding the, gro- the grand and broad themes moving from Old Testament to New Testament. And for your listeners, too, we do that from a broadly reformed perspective. Mm-hmm. So we're not doing it from a complete Presbyterian point of view or covenant theology, and we're not doing it all the way to the other side uh, from uh, any other kind of biblical theology. We just go through historical, what is called historical grammatical, redemptive uh, Bible interpretation. And when we do that, they start to see things that come out of the text that help formulate and form not only um, uh, their belief system and, and reinforcing the grand doctrines of the Bible, but also how they practice things. So we're all about good um, uh, churchmanship, the, the big letter word ecclesiology, uh, and so because of that, we expanded beyond South America in 2015, 2016, and now I believe we're in like 20 countries. We're populating seminaries with our people. We're populating um, church planting and church revitalization, like what Cindy and I are involved in here. Um, and, then, and then in addition, we're also, like I said, looking towards trying to uh, 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 use other platforms, meaning uh, how do we get into a country that is a little bit difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, And once we do that, we try to go in and see what is the existing Christian witness. And we have metrics and tools to evaluate that so that we're kind of being objective. Mm -hmm. We're not just putting our our denominational or theological biases um, uh, into play, but what we're doing is trying to pull back and what, what what are the marks or what are the identifying uh, uh, characteristics of a good, healthy biblical church, healthy biblical leaders. And if we focus on those, then we train those, those folks. We trust God will uh, move on them to, to ask us and invite us in to, to help. And then just really seriously by word of mouth and by, by the providence of God, 
the, the word spreads that there is someone here at this little maybe international church or maybe a national church and working with us. And uh, why don't you come? Because we're hearing things and we're learning things that uh, that we think our church ought to ought to adopt or to understand. And and then we that then provides that access of actual person to person teaching rather than in uh, the, you know the impersonal Zoom thing because. Bottom line, what happens is is that when you're dealing with different people from different language groups, body language, relationship, mm. interaction, personality, for them to see you ethically and 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 morally work through difficult problems is ten times more important than them just listening to yep. uh, an expository sermon. I think we learned um, all that in COVID because Zoom didn't last very long. People got tired of that quick. Yeah. Got ready for a personal we, touch. That's that's correct, and then and then, um, uh, but but in the in I would say that in the lesser urban, lesser reached areas, uh, it, it is an understatement to say that it is a theological famine. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can go on, and I, I don't want to be negative about about uh, uh, modern missions in general because they're doing a lot of good things, but this was a this was a call. Uh, to um, identify a very surgical, a very strategic approach to a very specific problem. And as they say, as the leadership of the church goes, so goes the church. And as so goes the church, so goes the Christian witness of that Mm. particular community. And the enemy of our souls hates um, uh, good theological doctrinal um, um, convictions because these all lead into how we do church, how we help people, how we uh, uh, share ministry together, and, and how we um, effectively multiply um, ourselves in, in, in line with the Great Commandment and the Great Commission, mm-hmm. uh, to just to spread um, a healthy gospel witness, where typically it's either a majority religion that is hostile to Christianity, and we do include Roman Catholicism and, and, and Eastern Orthodoxy. They're very hostile to mm-hmm. evangelicals in in closed countries. Right. Yep. I've seen it personally. And in Latin America. And so, yeah. And so, um, uh, th- they're a very um, overlooked people group. And and I'm all for going to unreached people groups uh, and in prioritizing the gospel in certain ways. But sometimes the pendulum swung, Kevin, so far towards just reaching un- unreached people groups and the amount of money and time and to, to get the language and uh, uh, the language down to, to get a Bible going that we've missed a lot of, I think a lot of folks where uh, the, the Christian faith and the Christian witness is a millimeter deep mm. uh, and very shallow on the lateral sides. And we end up with, with almost uh, a non witness, almost a neutralized witness because everybody want to try to coexist mm-hmm. with the majority religion and try to make them like us. So anyway, that's, that's kind of our heart and our, 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 uh, what I would say our ethos, our mm-hmm. DNA of our organization. And, um, and in, in addition, just for your listeners, we're really, really, really promoting women's ministry. So whether it's, uh, uh, whether it's uh, single women, um, or it's, um, uh, or, or it's the wife of, let's say, a husband is going into the field. The women's ministry side and the 
I think the the uh, the, the team uh, approach of husband and wife working in the local church is extremely undervalued and is extremely necessary mm. because the ladies, especially in closed countries in our region, they're very uncomfortable talking with men. Men are uncomfortable right. talking with the women. Mm-hmm. And so then, but who's going to train the women? If all the men have all of the theological training in that, how are they going to transfer that to the ladies to be able in Titus 2 to take over and teach the younger women? So uh, you see that kind mm-hmm. of that kind of chain of, uh, of, of, of discipleship and delegation within the church is missing in a lot of the North African and Middle East countries as well. So, Well, Craig, what can we pray for you about specifically as we wrap up our time together um, today? What are some prayer points that we can pray for you as we close our time together? Oh, thanks, Kevin. Yeah, blessed, uh, blessed to have you uh, pray for us as we uh, navigate and, and uh, lead the change and lead the revitalization effort here at the uh, Nicosia International Church uh, in Cyprus. Uh, pray for us that uh, God would, would uh, uh, through His Holy Spirit, would move on individuals to uh, see, the, see the glory and the need uh, for uh, the local church um, as, as, as the, 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 the place where we come and gather and strengthen each other, and covenant together uh, in the bond of love and the spirit of peace, uh, and uh, for gospel outreach, uh, and uh, uh, for uh, uh, for Cindy, she's going to be heading back uh, to the states for about six weeks uh, to get the, uh, the the Pfizer specifically vaccine, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and we pray that uh, she doesn't get any reactions from that. And also to, you know, just some, some other things, helping my daughter, our daughter, um, uh, get her classroom ready, um, visiting some dear uh, donor friends out in the D.C. area that just had uh, gone through some grief and loss. Um, and so pray that she has a, a safe trip. And then for me here, I'm going to be just really preparing um, uh, almost um, in a, I'd say, in a very intense way. Uh, a very, very lengthy uh, preaching and teaching schedule um, to really focus on what is the church, mm-hmm. what does membership look like, what is what is constituting. And so between the pulpit and breakout sessions and training sessions and Q&A, um, I'm putting together that kind of a curriculum because nobody nobody I've talked to has ever gone into a church where there's no statement of faith, no constitution, no guiding documents, no, no, really, no, really mm. any structure. Mm-hmm. So be praying for us as we use wisdom to, to, to go through this process very, very slow and patiently and pastorally uh, with a lot of grace, but also with a lot of, uh, of spine and, and nerve, <laughs> uh, and, 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 uh, and, uh, and 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 some uh, some strength of the Lord to really <laughs> to really make sure that we don't uh, do any harm right um, as we move through yeah okay well Craig thank you for joining us today in the pod let me pray for you and uh, we will wrap up our time together thanks Kevin God we thank you for Craig and for Cindy and for their work uh, around the world and the different places they've impacted from Qatar to Jordan and now in Cyprus as they seek to 
encourage the local church and encourage local pastors. God, we pray for their revitalization work there at Nicosia as they go into this church that needs direction. God, as Craig prepares and schedules and thinks through a strategy and a calendar and a plan to lead them towards health. I pray that you would give him wisdom and discernment and that you would give him guidance. We pray, God, that you would stir up individuals who would see the glory of the local church, the importance of the local church, the value of the local church, and come on board there to work alongside them and to catch the vision. We pray that they would reach out with the gospel and that they would see the seeds of the gospel sown and germinate and grow strong and bear much fruit. And God, as Cindy travels here to to minister to friends, to uh, come get get the Pfizer vaccine, to see Sarah. We just pray that you would watch over her, protect her, keep her safe, bring her back safely to Craig. God, we thank you for their their willingness to be used of you, and we pray your blessings upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Craig. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Kevin. God bless you all. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today for the First Baptist Church Tullahoma Missions Podcast. If you haven't gone by that missions hallway next to the library, down by the coffee station, please go by that mission hallway. Check out the kiosk. If you don't know what you're doing, just start punching buttons. We will fix it if you mess it up. And check out the five tiers of missions at FBC Tullahoma and how you can be a part of that. And listen, pull up your Joshua Project app. Pray for those unreached people groups. Pull out your plus one guide. Pray for our missionary partners, our missionary friends around the globe. Let's pray together for a move of God. Thank you for joining us today. God bless you.